You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys episode number 78 for Monday the 28th of August 2017. Today's guest is sci-fi and dystopian author John Cronshaw. It's the second time on the podcast for John. We met at Carlisle's Borderlines Book Festival last year and at that time John was about to self-publish his first book. When I first interviewed John for the podcast in January 2017, he'd got the first book written He'd also been writing lots of short stories for the Ray Bradbury Challenge, and he'd done his homework about the best strategies to use for launch and promotion. He's now got six books listed on Amazon, and has got another one in the works. That's pretty good going for a year's work. When we caught up for the podcast, I started by asking John how his original strategy has been working out for him. I mean, it's changed. Um, I mean, you, you talk about it yourself in um, your podcast diaries, the idea of the kind of course corrections and, um, you know, of... Um, of you know, rejigged things and um, because, you know, I was talking to you last time about doing the Ray Bradbury Challenge and I had a glut of uh, short stories. So I ended up releasing three short story collections that I never intended to. Um, and that kind of built up a nice little backlist for my Amazon page. So that was good. Um, but, yeah, in, term, in terms of the novels and things, I mean, Wizard of the Wasteland came out pretty much as expected when I wanted it to and the second book's about to come out in a fortnight so yeah it's coming along nicely now just remind us what you've got because I get confused because it's Addict of the Wasteland, Wizard of the Wasteland and Knight of the Wasteland so just explain how that works okay so basically the the main series is um, of the Wasteland and some kind of fantasy trope so I've got Wizard of the Wasteland, Knight of the Wasteland the next one's King of the Wasteland and then I might be outlining a second trilogy, which, you know, I've got titles like Cleric of the Wasteland and things like that. So I'm kind of playing with that fantasy idea for the main stories. And I've got kind of spin-off novellas, um, which I'm basically using as reader magnets, which are Addicts of the Wasteland. And then there's another one, which I'm writing at the minute, called Prisoner of the Wasteland. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, that's that's the kind of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. Now, I know that when we spoke, uh, when we met at Borderlines, which is the Carlisle Book Festival last year at a self-publishing mm. uh, conference, and then um, we spoke in, in the January, and I know that you had quite specific plans about the way that you wanted to release these books. Because yeah. you, you wanted to have the prequel done first, I think, didn't you, so that you could start to build yeah. um, a, a reader audience, an audience, basically. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's what I did. I mean, I built up, um, you know, doing all the, I mean, I was involved in one with you, actually, the um, kind of cross-promotion thing through Insta Freebie and doing newsletter swaps and things like that. So I built up an audience um, and then released, I mean, this was from December where I first put up this prequel and then I got all the first two novels written and nicely edited and proofread and, um, you know, they're ready to go. I'm almost finished the first draft of book three um so it's all coming along nicely um i i wanted to get an audience kind of there set up before releasing anything and it did pay off because um my release my launch day was really successful i, I had i think on the launch day i had 150 pre-orders which for a first novel for someone in my position i think is really good um so yeah i mean it's 
yeah, I mean, it's just kind of go, these things have changed. I mean, I think I mentioned last time about the idea of doing Kickstarters and things like this. Like they've gone out the window just because of looking at the landscape of that and um, just kind of, um, you know, kind of assessing what's working and what isn't for other authors and kind of pulling on other people's experience and, yeah, just kind of working out what works best, what doesn't for my genre. Interesting you say about Kickstarter because I interviewed another local author, Ruth Sutton, who tried that model and, and found mm. it very difficult without a platform. And also your pre-orders, that's an exceptional number of pre-orders. I, I'm really lazy with this, but I think the most I've ever mustered with, you know, half an effort was about, I think about 50, so 150 for mm-hmm. a first-time author is really very uh, impressive. And it was all down to that strategy of, of building that kind of list of readers beforehand. Yeah, because I, I got the, um, well, I got the, I mean, they were all at 99p, unfortunately, Shana weren't at the full price, um, but they were built up over the months. I had the um, the thing on a quiet, what I'm calling a, pro, you know, a quiet pre-order. There was a link in the back of the prequel and a sample in the back of the prequel that linked to the Amazon page. I didn't really announce it to my mailing list or anything else until the week of release. Um, so it, they were kind of organic, maybe through Amazon, maybe through the back of this book. Um, and then I, I got involved in the um, Kindle Scout program as well, which was another thing I, I mentioned it before as I, um, you know, I wanted to, to have to be able to talk about the book for a month and not go, please buy my book. Um, so I was doing that. And when I sent out the email to say, hooray, it's, you know, the Kindle thing has finished, that led to another 50 sales. So there was a kind of direct spike in relation to that email being sent out. So, no, that was that worked out really well. So. Yeah, I need to talk to you about Kindle Scout because you were doing pretty well on Kindle Scout. Again, now I've I've had ex- personal experience of this in that I just flopped the book out and just thought, oh, mm. let's give this a try. And, you know, like everything, there's a bit of tumbleweed and, and nothing really happens. But you yeah. had some success and some traction with Kindle Scout, didn't you? It was quite impressive. Yeah, um, I mean, it was, I mean, it didn't get picked up. I mean, I, I didn't expect it to because, you know, I'm an unknown entity and, you know, it's my first book. I didn't expect it to get picked up but what it did it was on the front page of kindle scout you can see i mean you'll have seen it yourself you can track the hours where it's in hot and trending and there was i think there was something like 20 hours in the entire period where it wasn't on that front prominent page um i mean having a front page and an amazon site is great i mean in the future hopefully it'll be the uh, main one but uh mm. no it was it was really good so what did you learn from that experience? You see, my, my feeling with a lot of these things is that they're like beauty contests to a certain extent, that if you've got a platform already, you can drive yeah. the traffic to it to get the fans and then you end up with a deal. And so, you know, to a certain extent, as a new author, I always feel like we've we've got this Achilles heel that, that mm. we're caught without the platform all the time. I think it's, it's, it's kind of, um, what's the word? It, it feeds on itself. I think, you know, having that initial push from, you know, the people who got my book from Insta Freebie, you know, I led them to that with the thing of if it gets selected, then you'll get a free copy from Amazon because that's what they promise. Um, so, you know, they're freebie hunters. That's what they're, you know, they're going to nominate it. But when you looked at the stats, uh, two thirds of them were actually coming directly from the Kindle Scout page and not the emails. Um, so it means that, you know, it, it got the traction and then it was having the kind of organic growth. So, you know, that that was that was really great. And, of course, the crying shame about that is that you can't capture the names and email addresses because all of those people coming from that Kindle Scout page would be beautiful people to have in an email list. That's, I guess, the frustration well, of marketing on Amazon, isn't it? Um, ish, because what I did is when you send out the thank you email, I said, 
here's a link to the prequel. Um, so it was a sign-up page for my email list. So, yeah. <laughs> well done. Good, good lad. Well done. Yeah, so great great marketing instincts there. So, so you were aware of that because that's, that's what's to play for there, isn't it? You know, you mm. targeted audience and we've got to skim them off somehow. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, the... <sighs> I mean, I've, I mean, yeah, Insta Freebie's been excellent for this initial growth of my author platform, um, but it, but I am changing my strategy with it quite a bit um, because of well, it's essentially the idea that these people are leads and can help you initially, but the people that who who I really want on my mailing list are the people who've already bought my books, who are fans, um, so I've already got two mailing lists, um, one which has been gathered through the InstaFreebie, one which is gathered through the back of the books. And I'm wanting to do the thing now of pulling back from the paid for InstaFreebie, have the sample in the back of the book leading to the book, which then, well, leading to the novel, sorry, and then that leads to this second um, reader magnet, which is the Prison of the Waste, which should have within the next few weeks. Um, And that's where I want to capture people. It's the people who are at the end of the book, who've read it, who've bought it, and, you know, they're the ones who like what I'm doing because essentially it's a bit of a, um, you know, it's potluck, isn't it? You're kind of shooting, um, hoping that some of these things will stick. And, you know, when you get to the kind of more than 2,000 people on MailChimp, it starts getting expensive. Um, so it's just to kind of, you know, to make sure that the people on my list are the ones interested in buying my stuff. Um, so that's kind of my strategy now going forward is to make sure that that happens. So where where are you up to with your list? You're still you're using Mailchimp still, and are you happy to share the numbers on your list at the moment? Yeah, I I am at two thousand. Um, I am cutting away at the uh, <laughs> the people who who aren't engaging. Um, so I'm I'm keeping just under that under that uh, precipice, as it were. So, um, you know, until until I can justify the expense of that, um, you know, compared with the amount of making from the book sales. Um, that's something I'm going to have to keep doing um, because I mean, at the minute I'm, I mean, I'm amazed. I've, I've I realized today looking at the kind of Kindle count for the month and the, um, you know, the, what you call them Kindle unlimited reads and um, the book sales. I've actually broken even for the first book, which is amazing. I thought, you know, that'd be coming much later on. So um, yeah, that's, that's very good. <laughs> no, that, that's a tremendous uh, early success. And I think, um, you know, wh- why your experience is interesting is that so many people with first books will launch them and they just die a complete death. But I think from day one, when you and I met last year, you know, it was quite clear that you weren't going to let that happen. You had a no. strategy to make sure that there wasn't just, you know, emptiness and nothingness when you launched well, the this, book. Yeah, this is it. I mean, I've, I've said it before, you know, uh, I mean, the idea is is i always want to have something to talk about in relation to the books whether it's something coming out or something i'm involved with um and doing little things like i've I've done quite a few uh you know interviews with people on blogs and um getting stuff like well i suppose traditionally published uh short fiction on podcasts uh, like i had a story recently on 600 second saga and doing public readings and things like that i think all of that being able to talk about that is you know, it's not me going buy my book, but it's it's all stuff that I'm doing related to, you know, selling the books in the end. So it's it's all helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously, I follow you on social media as I, I do all the people that I've interviewed for the podcast, and um, 
you've done a, a couple of readings uh, in in Lancaster, as I think it is. Um, yeah, yeah. That I, I think that's tre- tremendously brave. There's absolutely no way would I read my stuff out in a live. <laughs> no way, uh, apart it's from the fact that the I get lynched. <laughs> it's the best way to learn what oh. is working in your writing. It's it's great. <laughs> it's it's really? really scary, but it's yeah, it's well worth it. Well, t- t- tell me about it. What you know? How much do you read? Uh, you know, do, do people shuffle in their seat or are they polite? <laughs> you know, how does it work? Because I'm just terrified of it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done a few of them now. I did them. I started doing them in Penrith at an event called Word Mess. Um, and that was run by a poet called Katie Hale. And um, that was once a month. And I'd go and read um, probably about two short stories at a time, you know, kind of less than a thousand words. Um, this one at Story in Lancaster is called Spotlight. And it's um, I've started off doing open mic slots, which is you go in and you read for five minutes. Um, doing this Ray Bradbury challenge, I've got loads of flash fiction, loads of short stories. So I've just been hammering a couple of those out. Because it's in front of a live crowd, I've been doing ones which are a bit funnier and, um, you know, kind of have more of an appeal than maybe a bit of a dark post-apocalyptic kind of meditation or whatever, which some of them are. Um, And what's great is they've actually invited me back to do the September 15th one, and uh, they're paying me, so that's wonderful. And I'll get a longer slot, so I've got a 10-minute slot and... Um, yeah, they're paying me, so brilliant. Well, and fantastic. And, of course, this is part of being an authorpreneur is having yeah. streams of income because often the books are not going to make the cash straight away. So you need to take and create opportunities like that. Now, that, that's one that I would be – isn't it funny? I'm quite happy to stand up and teach this stuff. There's no way I would do what you've done. <laughs> you know, never, never, never. That's never going to happen. And, uh, uh, but I think you're so brave doing that. And they're not drinking and things, on it? It's not like a – a kind of bar oh, yeah. environment. Oh my goodness, yeah, they're yeah. not. It is a bar, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh no, it's great. like being a stand-up comedian or something. <laughs> well, there are, there are stand-up comics there as well, and oh. musicians, and yeah, no, it's it's a really supportive environment, and you know, a lot of people go up and do poetry, or they'll they'll. I mean, there was a guy there last time doing um, you know harmonica solos and stuff. So it's a real mixed bag of stuff, and um, I think there's just. I mean, I've met authors there as well. Um, I met. North who actually quite like before the event called Simon um, Simon Gilbert, who's a um, he's a literary writer, and um, he we ended up swapping short story collections um, in print, so that that was quite a cool little uh, networking thing. So yeah, lots of lots of little um, you know avenues and people to meet there. So now it's good. But then you see, if you could do it, and I, and I couldn't do that, but it's going to lead to one thing leads to another. It tends, this is how it tends to happen. And it's not, it's only the next step that somebody's asking you into a book festival to, to be teaching, um, yourself publishing your experiences because you're, mm. you're qualified to do that now. You've published, was it six, uh, six, isn't it? Six just coming up to seven. Is that right? Is that right? I can't remember. Um, That's what <laughs> Amazon real... says. It says six, six yeah, on Amazon. So you, you've got one just about to pop out, haven't you? Oh, yeah. So I've got one, two. I've got three short story collections, and then I've got the two novels. Um, so yeah. So there's, and then I think it's probably counting the Addict to the Wasteland, which is the paperback because I did that as a paperback, um, not as an ebook. That's obviously a um, newsletter only one. Um, so yeah, I think it's counting the paperbacks and things that I've done as well. Um, I also did some stuff under a pen name, a bunch of short stories, which are just comedy, parody, science fiction stuff. Um, and they don't sell at all. So, you know, it's a different experience because I can kind of see what sells when it's written 
with the, you know, the covers and market and, you know, actually treating it professionally and just having a bit of fun putting stuff out there and not doing anything with it and then going, oh, yeah, it, it doesn't actually sell. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's good to see that, you know, the efforts that I'm putting into certain um, things like networking and um, newsletter swaps and um, things like that, are, they are paying off. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's very interesting to hear that you're battle hardened already, that you've realized that the value of a freebie seeker is actually fairly low compared to the value of a purchaser, a serious reader. This is something I learned the hard way in, in internet marketing years ago, that freebie seekers, you know, much as you, you need them in many ways to get impetus, they are actually mm. a poor audience. They just want something for nothing and they will think nothing of trashing your book and it, you know, and sinking it with a low <laughs> review. So I, I'm assuming mm. you've, you've kind of figured this one out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, this was just seemed quite obvious to me anyway. It's like, I want people who've read my book on my list who enjoy it and, and have, and motivated enough to go, oh, yeah, I want more of this guy. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I can't remember. I was, I was talking to someone, a reader, who does a lot of Insta Freebie, and it, the penny dropped from me when they said, you know, oh, I just I just download hundreds of books. I don't, I don't read half of them. I've got an email that I've set up just for free books. And then, so it's like, well, there's no, there, there is no value in that for authors at all, um, which is a real shame, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's just kind of part part of the thing, isn't it? So it's part of the game. Yeah, I think it is a problem. I know I'm. I uh, I think you alluded to this actually. I know what I'm moving to on Insta Freebie now is leaving a ten percent uh, portion of the book with you know cross trails mm. to the full book. Um, and and uh, I think I just want to get my list up to a decent number actually. So I think I'm just over five thousand now, and uh, I want to just try and get that up to ten by Christmas. Really, just for sort of vanity purposes, I guess. Um, mm. And then and then I think I. But I, th- I find with Insta Freebie that after quite a short time, you're recycling the same old leads, uh, you know, after a while. Yeah, I, th- I think it saturates, doesn't it? I think, um, I mean, my um, lead on the Addict to the Waste, and I mean, that that got, I mean, it's three, I think I checked today and it was like 3,800 and something downloads. And every time I've done a promo, it seems that, you know, that it, that shrinks the amount of people who are, downloading that so i think you know the same people are getting all the different promos and it's the same people and um yeah i think i think there's just a certain level of saturation with specific genres and specific books and you know it's not going to get much beyond that's that level really so yeah it's it's good good to start i mean i wouldn't go back i wouldn't say don't do it to build a list but don't expect that list to be a quality list see as a i mean yeah i've got an arc team i've got beta readers from it I've got some great connections who, you know, have moved on to my main list because they're really engaged and have said, oh, I bought your book and loved it. So, yeah, brilliant. That's They're the type of readers that we all want. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you need to pass through with Insta Freebie. I mean, you know, I always tell the story that it took me a year when I started internet marketing in 2008 to get 25 mm. subscribers. And, and obviously I was losing subscribers too at that time. But there's nev- never been anything quite like Insta Freebie to go from zero to 100 to 1,000 very, very quickly. But I think you have to recognize um, the value in it and then walk away and find new tricks, I think, with that. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, with, with um, I mean, I, could, I can tell you a bit about the um, some of the things that, haven't worked with um wizard of the wasteland um like one of the things that i wanted to do near the you know how you have the kind of people talk about the 30-day cliff and i thought right at the end of that i'm going to drop it to 99p for a couple of days and um, put i think i bought um a fussy librarian and a um bargain booksy 
promo. And it, I think between those two, I added nine extra sales, which, <laughs> mm. which was, yeah, and that loss of about uh, $50. So, oh, yeah, no. Was, yeah. I mean, Bargain Books, it did give me the money back, so that was nice of them um, when, when I mentioned it. But, um, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just strange what, what seems to work for some people doesn't work for others. And I think that's one big takeaway that I've got from a lot of the things like the 20 books to 20K group on Facebook and things like that is, you know, we're all on our own journeys and things will work and things won't work for, you know, you can try exactly the same tactics as someone who is really successful and it won't work and for another person it will. And it's just finding that course for you. Um, and I think I'm, I'm getting there. Um, I mean, there's always room for improvement and always room for these um, course corrections, as you put it. But um, for me, it's a long game. I've said, I've said this last time. It's, you know, this is the first book, the second book. I'm hoping there'll be a bit more growth. And then with the third, you know, I've got um, covers and um, whatnot booked for next year. And I've got another two books coming out this year. So, yeah, it's long game. One of the things I noticed, actually, when I was flicking between your Amazon pages is you, like me, are selling more and get, well, you get more reviews from the States. So when you look at your UK page, it looks a bit quiet. When you go to your U- U- mm. US page, that's where the action is. I- I've I've always found that split, you know, is about 80-20 to, to, to USA. Um, that just to be, I don't know yeah. whether that's into freebie or just how it happens. But is that is that what you found? Yeah. Is that the reality? With with sales, I mean, it's I think it's even more stark than that. I think... Um, the USA probably has 90%. I think the UK has about five. And then I seem to be getting quite a few sales in, you know, Brazil and things like that. But I think that's because <laughs> I think I've got my book at like the lowest price you can have it in some of like the South American places. So yeah. The latest sensation in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't Brazil. mind it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it just brings in pennies, you know, but um, it's... It, all add. I mean the thing that I really wanted to kind of get sorted to start with is kind of having the consistent kind of sales rank and things like that and I mean it's I mean I was it's it is more or less um to to within I don't know about 50 sales exactly where I thought it would be I mean there was obviously the hope in my heart you know that it would be a massive you know success or whatever but it's it's exactly where I thought it would be based on the market and everything and you know my position at the moment do you go wide with your books or are they just on amazon they're just on amazon at the moment um the wide thing is a future thing uh you know i'm interested in getting it right on one place not kind of worrying about all juggling all these different places because i think because of how i am i think i'd have to go direct to Kobo I'd have to go direct to as many places as I could and um, I think it'd just be a you know it's one of these 80-20 things of just this is where most of the money's being made so I, I need to focus on this for now um, you know when you know if the Kindle Unlimited I mean the Kindle Unlimited things just changed hasn't it I got an email today saying we're on version 3 now of uh, KDP Select so um, be interesting to see how you know what that actually does and what that means for authors um, I think it's kind of a little bit too soon to even know what the ramifications of that are going to be. So, you know, I don't like the idea of being in one market and being at the mercy of one player. Um, but at the moment, I'm such a small fish that it, it's neither here or there. You know, I, if, if Amazon collapses tomorrow, then I can just upload my books to other places and sell them there. Um, you know, it's it's not 
that much of a concern to me yet, but it will. And you alluded to something a moment ago when you were talking about Brazil. You said you priced low in those territories. One of the things I've just done, because I'm just putting things you know, wide again after having restricted them, is um, I'm, I'm going um, for India and I'm just pricing them right down in India mm. because I just want to be found and discovered. You know, it's such a big population. Who cares? So long as you get some momentum. So um, I'm, I'm using that strategy in, in India at the moment. So is that something you've intentionally done in territories where, you know, they're so obscure it's almost not worth getting excited about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obscure is probably the wrong word, but um, yeah, just um, you know, the these markets where maybe the ebook market isn't that big, or maybe where there's, I mean, the Mexican economy is in a right mess at the moment. So, you know, the idea of um, a Mexican wanting to spend money, any amount of money really on a product is, <laughs> you know, so it's it, it's um, yeah, I, I just think that it's. These territories, I mean, you know, emerging ebook markets, I think, um, yeah, pro, price them low. And, uh, yeah, just because, you know, every, every different market has um, the kind of level that it can, will accept for a digital product. And some places aren't there yet in terms of, you know, accepting a, a, a good level of pricing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for those, if, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've made one sale in India and I've got it priced at, I think it's 49 rupees. I think it's the lowest price you can do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's there. And if it adds, I'll just see it as a, yeah, it adds to the ranking. So that's great. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't kind of, I'm not pushing it in those territories. I mean, I don't know whether you need to, um, you know, spend a bit of time actually doing stuff, targeting those readers in those areas. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe that's what I'll need to look at in the future. Um, but, yeah, I'll. I just think my, I mean, yeah, I was surprised at how much of my market is USA. Um, so, I mean, I knew it would be high in terms of because of Amazon and their dominance. But, yeah, just the fact that it is, it's easily 90% of what I'm earning, that's, um, yeah, amazing me, to be honest. And have you sorted your tax out as well, the tax withholding? Yes, yes, yes. Yep, all good. I was on the phone for them <laughs> for a long time um, and having to do the, um, you know, the alpha popper kind of um, letters to spell Morecambe. I had to try about five times. Still got the letter and it was still spelt wrong. So, uh, <laughs> But I've got the EIN number and it's all good now. So. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You just um, rang through to the revenue, um, which is what I think what I did, Jess, and then it's all, they're very nice, aren't they? You just have to hang on for about 20 minutes and uh, yeah, they give you yeah. the number and that's it. It's over forever then. Yeah, so I think, I mean, as far as I can tell, that seems to be all good. So, yeah, got that sorted. Um, I'm also, um, one one thing I'm doing at the moment, which is quite, I'm, I'm really excited about it because, um, I mean, I mentioned last time, you know, I'm visually impaired. I Most of my books are consumed um, through audio. And uh, Wizard of the Wasteland, I got an email today saying it's about 60% done on the audiobook narration. Um, so that's really exciting. Looking forward to uh, you know to hearing the final thing of that. So tell yeah, me how you've good. gone about that then. What have you gone well, through I, ACX? Yeah. So uh, I mean, this was. I mean, I think when I spoke to you last time, my idea was is to get the Kickstarter to um, fund things like the audiobooks. And then yeah, as I learned about ACX and how that works, I thought I kind of had to do a bit of a you know is it is it kind of worth it? And I thought well you know what for the first trilogy. For the first, um, you know, when I'm an emerging author, I think it's good to get as many different um, options out there for readers. Um, so I went with the ACX royalty split 
and the uh, narrator I've got is excellent. I'm really impressed with um, the stuff that he's done for me so far. So, yeah, couldn't be better. Let me ask you about royalty split because I chickened out of that when I did it. I, um, I, um, number one, I got caught with the trilogy in that my trilogies all have cliffhangers. I think yours might wind up today. I mean, obviously they carry forward, but are they self-contained yeah. yours? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to make sure that they were all standalone novels that, um, also, you know, I mean, the second book literally starts at the second the first book finishes. Um, I think the third book is probably about a year on. Um, I'm still not 100% yet yeah, in my head where, where it'll be, but it's kind of has moved on a bit. And um, I'm thinking I might, because I, I like this idea of um, the couple, like three um, kind of uh, couplets almost, you know, six books in total in the series, and then having two next to each other in terms of timeline. Um, and, yeah, I think that's what I'm playing with at the moment. I think that's quite an interesting um, way of doing it. So. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I think. I think. Um, yeah, the royal, the royalty split. I mean, it's it's it is scary um, because there is a kind of seven year commitment and it's exclusive to Audible and I mean it will sell on iTunes and things like that. But again, it's this thing I've got to balance the kind of short term um, building up my author profile um, compared with the long term thing because if I do an audio book. Realistically, I won't. I wouldn't be able to get an audiobook produced with my own money for at least two years, and then I'd have to do another audiobook and another. And I just think having, you know, the initial thing out there is more important at the moment for my profile than um, kind of having. Oh, by the way, you know that book around three years ago. Well, here's the audiobook of it. So yeah, having it. I mean, it's it's meant to be done within the next month or so so yeah it's going to be out there and again something else where i could talk about the series that's ongoing so no it's good so i clearly lack confidence you see because the one of the reasons i didn't uh, go for uh, revenue share is because i i thought well no one will pick my book up because it you know it has it's not that popular no one will want to do it um and so i went um so i paid and I think I paid, I can't remember, $600 or something, I think I paid. And then I, I went for the lower royalty rate because I, you know, people don't stay married for seven years and, and going with Amazon for seven years just felt like too long to me. So I've taken a completely different course. Uh, did you, did you have enough bidders? Um, bearing in mind you are, and I'm using air quotes here, you're an unknown author. Was that still an attractive prospect to people to, to do the recording? Yeah. I mean, I had, I had a few. Um, auditions and I think the guy I ended up settling with with the second one who submitted something um, the first one I really liked the guy's voice but there was something going on with the quality of the recording and he also read my name as Cranshaw which is I don't know that <laughs> eye for detail kind of put me off mm. um, and then the second guy's performance was just I mean the quality was excellent and he was professional and his vocals were so clear and it's just like yeah, perf- this guy's perfect, absolutely perfect. So, um, you know, I listened to a few more kind of almost humouring the idea of it, but I, I knew as soon as I heard that second one, right, this is this is the guy. So, yeah, I mean, it, it worked. It took a, it took a few weeks um, to get uh, auditions. I, I think the first one I got was in a few days, and then it went quiet for a while, and then I had a kind of, you know, a few more come in suddenly. So, yeah, it was, no, as soon as I heard that second one, though, it was, that was the guy. Did you go English or American accent? American, yeah. I did, no, yeah. Definitely. Um, just because of the fact that, you know, it's 
it's the Amazon market thing again. I think if it's an American um, narrator, and because I've listened to a lot of audiobooks in this genre, they all seem to be American narrators. And when they aren't, it's it's almost um, you know it's 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 a bit disconcerting. It's kind of um, jarring to hear you know a, a plummy English voice doing you know kind of gritty post-apocalyptic stuff. So yeah, no, it's uh, yeah def- definitely just to kind of fit in with the rest of the genre. One of the things, I mean, I just mentioned this as we're talking about it. One of the things I found with my American narrator is he got some of the words, you've already said it with uh, Cranshaw, he got some of the words so wrong that I had to say, you know, that you're going to have to go back and re-record that bit. I can't let that go through. Um, and, and with that sort of cultural difference, there were some cultural differences there. And um, because I was paying, I did pay extra at the end because I, I just thought I want there to be some money in this deal for this guy by the time he's gone back to do it. So that was a little problem. I had. Have you heard? Have you heard some samples yet? Have you? Has he let you have the bits as he's going along with it? We, we're doing it as we go along. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's as I say, he sent me the email today saying he's done the sixty percent. We've got an ongoing Google Doc. He's uploading each chapter, and I'm, I'm sitting there kind of reading along with it. Um, when we have, when I have spotted, it, I spotted um, what was it? There was an error in you know, the uh, third chapter where he said he instead of he's, or, you know, it was a really slight one and I mentioned it and he got that sorted straight away. Um, so, so yeah, that was that easy. You just kind of dropped it in there. So, um, and yeah, it's flawless. So yeah, I didn't notice where it was. Um, but yeah, it's just ongoing and we've got a kind of, you know, you e- we were emailing back and forth and we've got this ongoing live document and, you know, if there's something where the pronunciation is wrong. He, he wants me to point it out and he wants me to highlight it. And so far I've just been so happy with it that it's, yeah, there was just that one, one tiny little thing. So It sounds like you're having a great experience with this. Is this, does this um, chap who's doing your narration, does he charge? And um, on ACX, people have different charging levels. So usually, you know, the voices that you want, they cost a fortune. You can't afford them. Does, does he actually charge for this as well? Or is he just, I, at I, the beginning? I couldn't say, I, I don't know <laughs> is the answer to that. Um, He's, I mean, I'm, he might do. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he would. But um, yeah, he seemed. He, he said to me that he, he really liked the presentation of what I did, and you know, he'd looked through it, and there was no errors, and that's always a good sign for an indie author and things like that. So, um, you know, he was. I suppose he has to audition people himself. So yeah, it's hmm, find, finding the uh, right right books for him because if he's doing a royalty split and whatever, yeah. I just wanted to go back to um, e- your emailing and Mailchimp. Um, uh, a lot. Of, I've just moved into uh, MailerLite because, um, it, as, as you'll know, in InstaFreebits, the one that they're all talking about. Uh, because when you start to pay, it's a lot cheaper. I think my thresh. I hit the five thousand threshold, and, it, and I was with GetResponse, and it was about to get very expensive for me if I was going to build up to ten. So I went with MailerLite, which is actually extremely cheap. If you if you go over the year, would you consider changing your email marketing? Or are you getting on very well with Mailchimp? I mean, at the moment, I've I've got no reason to. I have looked at MailerLite. Um, I mean, yeah, the interfaces are quite similar. I've, I've had a play around with. I think I played around with MailerLite and Aweber, and I just preferred the the experience of Mailchimp. I mean, as my list grows, um, you know, maybe. I will switch, um, but at the moment, no, I'm, I'm more than happy with Mailchimp, especially now they've put in the, you know, the autoresponders for, uh, for free. So that's good. So yeah. you've been using uh, InstaFreebie, and you're, you're letting that rest a little bit at the moment. How about BookFunnel? Have you got into that at all? 
Yeah, I mean, BookFunnel, I use BookFunnel to distribute my books um, to people who sign up for my emailing list. I know that there's more advanced kind of versions um, and, the you know, the, the things with the um, building giveaway pages, you know, they seemed quite appealing. Um, I mean, for me, though, it's, you know, I was in the freebie. They were giving me support. Um, it's another kind of expense in terms of if I'm paying $20 a month for Insta Freebie, do I really want to be paying the same again for something very similar? Um, and to me, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's this thing of um, I felt that BookFunnel and Insta Freebie were doing very different things, and I worry that um, BookFunnel trying to be another Insta Freebie is going to weaken what they are so good at, which is getting content to people. Um, I I mean, yeah, I mean, it may be the diversity in there, what they do is good, but, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I think if consumers can't distinguish between them and Insta Freebie's got more of a kind of momentum in terms of the sharing, I, I worry that it's going to kind of put them in trouble. Because you are uh, visually impaired, do you have any sort of accessibility issues with any of the softwares or the services? Uh, are they set up for people with visual impairments? Um. Mm. Not really. I mean, a lot, a lot of them are okay. Um, a lot of the online ones are absolutely fine. I don't use Scrivener um, because their Windows version doesn't seem to be compatible with the high contrast negative mode that I use on my screen. Um, so I'm still stuck in Word and end up kind of doing this weird, um, you know, writing in Word and then pasting into Scrivener to um, produce the ebook and flicking around my monitor settings and all this it's it's not set up for um people not using uh, a conventional monitor setup so yeah that's that's very frustrating actually but uh you know it's it is what it is have you given vellum a try i haven't no um and i i mean this is this is the thing as well is like um at the moment it's, it's another you know I, I am bootstrapping this i'm um the making ebooks look nice um doesn't seem like a priority when i can do an okay you know a, a minimum viable product in word um put it into scrivener produce the audio but produce the ebook and it looks fine on the kindle it, you know it's an acceptable thing um i think that the what people are paying for is the stories and the you know the layout and things like that for fiction isn't that essential um i mean i might be wrong on that but that's you know that's kind of how i'm seeing it and maybe in the future again it's a money thing um if it's a a thing that i can do then i will but it's it's not a priority it's yeah it just seems like a yeah very low down on the list of things that are going to annoy or attract readers you mentioned earlier on that you're in the 20 books to 50k group. Are you going to yeah. the UK event next year? I certainly am. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And I noticed on, I heard on your diary the other day that you're, uh, we're going to be in the same hotel. So. Oh, are we? There'll be a load yeah, of us yeah. walking oh. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tim, Tim um, Lewis, who does the uh, uh, Begin Self-Publishing podcast, he's also in our hotel. So it's going to be oh, a, right. a okay. ghetto for those who refuse to pay the ridiculous hotel prices. <laughs> yeah. Now, so because there's, the, um, there's a, a group on facebook that's um i think it's like english why well, the british and irish authors group that's been really good actually and um someone on there says you know i live in egham 
and there's a travel lodge and it's about a five minute walk away from the hotel don't go to that hotel the travel lodge is much cheaper and i think it worked out at like um 30 quid a night or something like that so no it's brilliant and are you flying or driving um train <laughs> oh train so you're going into from the heart Mar- of london and then coming back out yeah, so it's um, what is it? It's, yeah, so Lanc- Lancaster to um, I think it's Euston, then Waterloo, and then out to Egham. So yep, train. I looked at I looked at flights and um, from Manchester, and to be honest, the amount of time there's not actually much difference in time once you do all the faffing with checking in and getting to Manchester and everything. So I think that'll be a really really good event. Um, you know, the people who were there are a lot more focused on what we're doing as authors um compared to some of the other um literary events that go on um i mean for you know last last year i went to uh, an event called edge lit which was for science fiction authors and i really enjoyed it last year when i went and this time i looked at the lineup and i looked at what was going on with the, the schedule and i thought you know what this this isn't actually going to work for me as a an indie author this is more kind of geared towards getting an agent and um, you know, all the kind of how to write, uh, you know, letters to publishers. And it's, it's like, ah, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go this time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this I'm really excited about. I think it will be really useful. And I think anyone in the UK kind of who's in the indie author thing as a professional uh, owes themselves to go and do it. I think it's going to be a massive opportunity. Well, I agree. I've stuck my neck out in my diaries and said, you know, I think this is the event to get your butt to uh, in the UK. I cannot imagine everything else is a little bit sleepy, a little bit old fashioned, you know, a little bit, a little bit literary. This is going to be, you know, this is being hosted by people who are shifting books by the bucket load. They're using all the best practice. And, uh, you know, I just don't think there's going to be a better event in the UK. Uh, and it's not, frankly, as you say, if you, if you go to the Travel Lodge, um, you, the hotel's really expensive, but if you go to the Travel Lodge, it's not an expensive event at all. 165 for a weekend ticket—that's not a lot for an event, mm. I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a thing. I mean, I kind of had this attitude when I was going to, um, you know, writing workshops, um, and it's I felt that if I heard of the people, heard of the authors who were running these writing workshops, then that's that's a good thing. Um, because they're not just someone who says, right, I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'll teach you how to write. You know, I went to the, um, what was it? The Avron science fiction writing course a, a couple of years ago. And, you know, that was a big thing for me. And, um, Jeff Ryman was there and Simon Ings and fans of both of them. And, you know, got to spend a week with them in Ted Hughes's house. And so that was lovely, you know, doing, doing that. And, um, the edge lit last year there was uh, like you know m john harrison did a workshop there so authors who i respect um doing workshops is for me was a really good way to kind of learn because i knew what i was getting was quality and this is the same now with the book marketing stuff it's like okay mark dawson's going to be there um who else uh, michael underlay and craig martell it's like these these are people who i know are doing what i want to do um so yeah i'm going to go and i'm going to go and kind of sponge up as much as i can yeah i think it's going to be great will you have your guide dog by there now have you got your guide dog yet i haven't i had um I, they actually came around yesterday i had the phone call today to confirm that i am on i am now officially on the waiting list um i, I had to do a thing yesterday where i was going around Morecambe, um basically holding on to a dog harness 
while the guide dog instructor was carrying it. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that was, that was fun walking down the main road. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, I've done it before, but, um, yeah, it's just a bit kind of uh, is it humiliating. I don't know. It just, it just feels a little bit odd. Um, but, yeah, so I did, I did that yesterday and, you know, they kind of measure, measure your pacing and how fast you walk and um, so they can match the dog up with you and go through a huge questionnaire um, but yeah, I mean, this, I got the phone call today saying basically, yeah, it could be in a few weeks, it could be 18 months. Um, so yeah, don't know. I hope so. I'd like a dog then because, um, you know, when I was doing the political journalism, I found the having the guide dog was a great icebreaker and, you know, was better than any anything in terms of networking for meeting people. People, anyone will just come up to you and um, fush your dog um, or say hello or, you know, and it, I found that really helpful. So That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say to you. That is the best networking technique ever, <laughs> is to take your guide dog to the – to. you'll know everyone. You will know everyone in that room by the end of the weekend if you bring the dog. Yeah. So. yeah. But I, I guarantee there will be someone there who'll be like, oh, I don't like dogs. I'm allergic to them and uh, keep away from me the whole time. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can't win them all, can you? It's like yeah, reviews, yeah. isn't it? It's like, in fact, which I must talk to you about because you, you've now, now you're no longer, you know, a complete newbie. You're, you've, you've been bat, you're battle weary. Um, you fought mm. in war, um, and you've got no doubt some, stinker reviews as well which are par for the course you know the dents uh, in the armor <laughs> how, how have you felt about that not yet i've i've got I've, like honestly most of my reviews have been really positive um there's the only one i think i got a might have been a two-star review where someone said there was an issue with the formatting so i got in touch with them and um just says you know if you want a moby version of the file and they never got back to me um, but I kind of put the offer there. Um, but uh, other people checked, you know, I got other people to check it and there was no issues with it. So I don't know whether it was their device that was going a bit iffy or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've I've not had a, a negative review yet. Um, and I mean, I might have, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't, I think in the first couple of days I was checking them and now I've, I don't think I've checked them for weeks. So yeah, I mean, you can you could probably tell me about all the uh, one star ones that are lingering there or something. No, no, I, I haven't looked in particular, but <laughs> it just seem, it just sort of comes par for the course. Usually, there's usually somebody mm-hmm. in there uh, having having a moan. You know, like like when you said about um, you know the dog and the allergies and things. There's usually someone yeah. who, who comes out of the woodwork, isn't there? Uh, with it, yeah. I mean, what what is interesting um, from the reviews is I I mean I mentioned this this you know do, writing all these short stories I have. Um, I did a short story collection of fantasy stories called Her Name Was Red. And the first story in that is a kind of, I mean, I think it would be technically a novelette. It's about eight, nine thousand words, something like that. And I got so much positive feedback about that story um, that I'm now kind of thinking I need to actually write more in that world. Maybe write a full novel, maybe write a series with this character in this world because it would be kind of daft for me to ignore that response. Um, you know, it's that collection's had more reviews, well, when the last check, than Wizard of the Wasteland has, and people still e- email me about how much they love the character. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, it's really, really um, made me kind of think, actually, maybe if I ignore this, I'm leaving money on the table. So, yeah, it's something I need to consider for next year. And I've booked my cover designer for January, and, you know, I am planning on doing another Wasteland series, but 
I might be at a point then where I think actually I'm going to pursue this fantasy stuff. So yeah, who knows? That, that's interesting. That's and that's the audience, uh, you know, telling you what they think, isn't it? And uh, um, it's interesting. I, I have a Facebook uh, book which I think I've sold most copies of. I never get excited about it, um, you know, because I want to sell the fiction, but um, I don't want to revise it. And then I was thinking, I keep thinking, I, you probably know because you listen to the diaries. And I yeah, thinking, you well, go back and forth, don't you? <laughs> the, the audience are telling me that they want this book, but I don't want to write it, you know? <laughs> that's, but um, as you say, if that's where the money is, you know, if that's where the sales are, then I guess you've well, got to do it. It's not necessarily the sales, like the, I mean, it might be because it's a short story collection, but it doesn't sell that well. Um, but the response to the character, of, I, you know, that response is, is something that it, I can't really ignore um, because, you know, if it is in a novel, maybe it really hit, maybe I've hit on something, maybe I've hit, struck a chord or, you know, and yeah, I just think, I, I just think it's um, because, I mean, I'm sure you've had, I mean, I've heard you go back and forth with, um, you know, book ideas and thing. And, you know, for me, it's, I, I like pretty much all genres of fiction. Um, and, you know, I've been going back and forth with, oh, I'd love to write a post-apocalyptic serial, that are, you know, these 20,000 word things, maybe 12 parts. And then next moment I'm thinking, oh, I've got this idea for a cyberpunk um, kind of thing set in a post-calamity London. And then got these ideas for epic fantasies. And it's, yeah, it's almost like I've got a kind of um, real, real Manekian <laughs> as it is in terms of, um, you know, all these ideas. I mean, I, have, I am doing a standalone novel. Um I have got the cover for that, and I've out, outlined it. I've, um, I've outlined it using the Story Grid method. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to the Story Grid podcast and the book and everything. I'm so, using it myself for all my books now. Actually, I really like it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying that out because um, you know, before well, for the books I'm doing at the moment, I'm, I'm using the kind of um, beats and um, you know, kind of half pantsing and half outlining and. Um, you know, kind of using Save the Cat as a reference for if I get lost. But, um, you know, it, it is kind of more of an organic thing. This one is um, outlined. I think I've got like a 6,000 word outline for this for this novel. So I'm going to see whether it works as a method for me for writing or whether I just kind of get a bit bored with it in terms of the um, thing. But this one, this is the kind of, um, it's it's a lit RPG, so it's kind of a, um, set in a video game world for half of it and then set in the real world for the rest of it. Um, and the basic, pre- well, I'm basically going on my own experiences as someone with visual impairment. So the main character is um, a, te- it's, it's a teenage book. It's, you know, it's a young adult. Um, it's about a lad who's uh, recently gone blind. Um, he's got this kind of sci-fi technology where he can um, basically interact with this game world using a kind of virtual reality thing in his brain. Um, but then it's kind of switching between the issues in this game and then the issues in his real life. Um, so it's, it's almost like half of it is going to be a literary novel because it is going to be about this guy who's kind of dealing with disability and his kind of journey, um, kind of coming to terms with his identity as someone who is blind and kind of the resistance and, um, you know, the thing of not wanting to accept help and things like that, which is what I think a lot of people who go visually impaired in the teenage years go through. Um, but then there's a kind of hero's journey element in this game world as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about that. And I think it'd be a nice palate cleanser after doing the, uh, you know, the straight kind of post-apocalyptic stuff that I've been doing. So, 
Well, it sounds good. Sounds good. You, I remember when you were on last time, and I'm just trying to think what it was you came up with a lie. I said, oh, I love that. That's great. Straight away, <laughs> you know, really, really strong idea. Uh, straight out the, you know, straight out the trap. Um, so the other thing I need to ask is you are bootstrapping this business, I know. So are you yeah. still having, is there still a sort of day job element to what you're doing? Or are you, now you've moved and sorted things domestically a bit yeah, more? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, I mean, we've pretty much uh, downsized in terms of expenses and things like that. So, you know, I'm, um, yeah, we, I'm doing this now full time. Um, well, I'll say full time, part time. Boys in nursery during the mornings. I have him in the afternoons. Um, I write for three hours a day and then I'm, I'm basically a stay at home dad now. Um, and now we've got him going to school in September. So my things are going to go up in terms of the hours I'm going to have to write this stuff. Um, and my wife has just gone down part time with her teaching. So she's gone to four days and we're looking at kind of setting her up over the next year or so because she's been an English teacher for so long. And, you know, she edited my and proofread my PhD and proofread my books. And um, so we, we're looking at a kind of um, setting her up as a proofreader and an editor. Um, so she's looking at the um, society, is it the Society for Proofreaders and Editors, like looking at their kind of copy editing courses. And um, so, you know, we are kind of looking at developing her into this business over the next two to three years. Um, and then obviously I won't have to pay for editing, so that'll be good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But now, so yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, a thing of you know working out how we can use each other's expertise, and you know the the dream. You know, we moved to Morecambe because we wanted to be by the sea, and we wanted this kind of um, slower pace of life than we had in Leeds, um, and just to kind of spend more time with each other. And yeah, I just think. Um, it's it's a you know we've got long term goals and uh, yeah so yeah very exciting and uh, yeah very uh, what's the word just kind of not spending on frivolous things and you know really trying to kind of keep our money tight and um, just kind of make sure that everything works and not spend what we haven't got you know we don't we, we never do credit or anything like that so yeah it's just um, you know using savings and and hoping this business um, of mine starts bringing in enough income where she can start reducing hers and then we build up her business. Um, so yeah, it's just long-term, long-term thing that we're, we're looking at. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends, or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.